everyone, we just wanted to let you know that our Patreon is officially live. If you'd like to support us monthly, you'll receive perks like exclusive episodes and influence in what we review. You can find the link on our website, lineandmousepodcast.com. Thanks so much for your support and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to Lion and Mouse Commentary. We are your hosts, Holland and Tori. Two best friends as different as a lion and a mouse. Today we are reviewing The Lion King Broadway and we will be ranking it on an objective scale of 0 to 10 with only two points allotted for personal taste. Feel free to agree, disagree, or just learn about something new. Just be sure to tread lightly. There are spoilers ahead and cut to the intro. breaking down the scoring system by category as we go, but the full breakdown is also available on our socials and website. So let's get started. Today, I chose The Lion King, the Broadway show, for us to review. This is actually familiar to both of us. Tori and I both had the privilege of seeing this as part of the touring production prior to COVID, shutting all of that down. Um, So at the time of this recording, it's been probably about three years since we've seen it live. So as a little bit of a disclaimer, we want to acknowledge the fact that it has been a while since we have seen this live. We were not able to rewatch the show in a live performance prior to reviewing this. We tried to supplement as best we could with a lot of reading, researching, watching what videos are available online, but our memories are only so good. So we have a little bit of a disclaimer that this is not necessarily the most accurate review that we could give this medium. Um, If we were able to rewatch it live, we may redo this episode in the future if we are both have that privilege to see this show again. Some facts about the show if you're unfamiliar. The Lion King officially opened on Broadway on November 13th, 1997. To date, it is the third longest running Broadway show. It has grossed $8.1 billion as of 2017, making it the highest grossing Broadway show of all time. I'm apologize. I'm going to read some cast names and I am not (laughs) super familiar with the appropriate pronunciation of some of these cast members' names. The original cast stars John Vickery, C.D. Leloka, Samuel E. Wright, Scott Irby, Rainier, Jason Reyes, and Heather Headley. The original production won six Tonys, including Best Musical, Best Direction of a Musical, Best Choreography, Best Scenic Design, Best Costume Design, and Best Lighting Design. This is the synopsis of the show, if you haven't seen it, from the Disney Wiki. Um, it is The show is technically a Disney production, since Disney owns the intellectual property of The Lion King. The story follows a young cub named Simba. Oh, excuse me. The story follows a young lion cub named Simba, born into royalty as heir to his father, Mufasa's throne. Mufasa's evil brother Scar desires power over the kingdom and conspires with a legion of hyenas to kill Mufasa and Simba and take over the land in their place. While Mufasa is murdered, Simba survives the attack and is blamed by Scar for his father's demise. 
Exiled, Simba must regain his courage and face the difficulties of his past to defeat Scar and reclaim his role in the circle of life. So this is actually a theater review from Tori and I. We are specifically reviewing the Broadway show, and I just wanted to make that clear. If you've seen the film, the Disney cartoon animated film, that may we may do at another date, but this is specifically the Broadway show. So let's go ahead and get started. So I'll get us started with plot and story delivery. Um, I gave this a total of 1.5 out of two possible points. So I think that the, and this is indicative of theater, especially musicals. Musicals should be delivering your plot points effectively. And I think this show does that. I think that there's a lot of narration that happens through the songs, and I think they kind of help drive the momentum of the entire show. It kind of falls mostly on those musical numbers. Um, however, I do think overall the show moves slowly. I think there is additions from the adaptation of the movie to stage that I find unnecessary and slightly draggy. Um, and I think transitions between um, some scenes, while they may be very visually stunning, I think they can slow down the whole pace of the show. Um, I do think that the song He Lives In You is a genius number. Mm -hmm. um, I think that it delivered both the, the first time it's sung and then the reprise because this song does come back in another iteration later on in the show. Um, I think both iterations um, has a different emotional connotation while still being a nice parallel to each other. And I think it feels like a resolution within its own like mini arc within the overarching arc of the story. So I think the use of that song is very appropriate and um, I, I genuinely think it's a beautiful song. So I enjoy it just personally. Um, the Long Live the King, I think hits harder in the show than it does in the movie. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to spend the whole time trying to compare the two, but I think it's worth noting when I think a certain aspect of the story is delivered better uh, in one medium or the other. And I think this part of the story is delivered so well on stage. That whole long live the king line that you hear from Scar um, as Mufasa is tumbling to his death mm -hmm. on stage it's like you're holding your breath right you know you're in the audience you're seeing this happen in front of your eyes and it just like stops time like everything around you it's it's a great way to kind of keep the focus of the story very concise um, I just think it's a great scene that whole scene is very good I also made a note that with stage you do have to a lot for time for set changes. Um, a lot of those are incorporated into musical numbers in this show, and I think it is effective in sort of delivering the story because it never breaks you out of the immersion. Um, I think one thing the show does very well is it is constantly from start to finish reminding you that this pl takes place in Africa. And so it spends a lot of time celebrating African culture and African music. And I think that those transitions, especially like leading into act two, 
they you have this really cool traditional break where all of these singers come out it's like the whole company but they're just dressed in like traditional african garb and they're just singing and i just think it's a wonderful like break and yeah we're not delivering at that moment any story about simba and you know the lions but it's giving all of your set hands your stage hands and actors chance to kind of like get themselves ready there's a lot of transition happening but you still are fully immersed in the locale that this story takes place in so I think some people might say that it doesn't fit in the story, but I think it does fit in the story because I think it appropriately um, encompasses every working part that theater requires, and yet it gives us something to focus on, and it does something very well. And so I think those breaks are incredible and the longest one happens right at the beginning of act two it's almost like a second overture if you will um like you have your overture at the very beginning of the show and then you kind of have this one it's not exactly an overture but it feels like that it sort of feels like that it's kind of setting you up it's getting you back into the mind space after you just ran and got a pretzel and went to the bathroom during intermission now it's bringing you back into the headspace of the show well and i think that it contributes very well to world building you know they the yes it meets all those needs that the medium of theater requires but it also further immerses you in this world and i think that 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 moment you're speaking of in at the beginning of act two that number the opening number of circle of life is so immersive and the world that they've brought you into in that first act is so expansive and immersive that they almost need to do it a second time for you in act two, like you mentioned. Yeah, I think it kind of helps, um, it helps color the richness that this show delivers um, because I think that the richness of African culture is so evident in this show. You never want to lose that, not even for a moment. So I think it's a great creative choice for them to do that. So that's actually my largest note as far as plot and story delivery, and it's not even delivering the story of of Simba to us at that moment. Right. Now, when we saw this together, um, Holland can attest to this, I cried as soon as the show opened because it was just so beautiful and immersive and visually stunning and just everything was just so wonderful. And I think the finale of this show is just about as incredible and emotional as the beginning. So it bookends perfectly. And so that's another reason that I think you have this wonderful sort of um, structure to this show. You have this wonderful, you know, jaw-dropping opening, and then you have this incredible emotional ending where you feel like you're on a high, you just got through what you thought was impossible, and you're here and you are so happy and proud of the characters that you see in front of you, but then you never lose that because in the middle you do have that break that kind of just brings you back. It sort of like sets the reality back, you know, to, it kind of, it's a, in, in a weird way, it feels like it's a, a way to connect the audience to the stage again, which I think is very difficult to do after an intermission. It kind of takes a while, you have to ramp back up into the immersion. So I think it's a very effective tool. So 
the three things together, I think, gives the show a great structure to deliver a story effectively. Because I think if you have a messy structure in theater, then your story gets lost in everything else. Because theater is very... Um, it can be very overwhelming. It's very stimulating. It's very like sensory stimulating. So if you don't have a good structure to a show, you're getting distracted or lost or anything else. There, There's a number of variables that can happen um, since it's all happening live. So I think this, the story is delivered well because of the structure of the show. Yeah. So one one point five out of two, and I think, and the reason I took that half point away is because of the pacing. I do think it's a little long and a little slow. Yeah. Um, so for plot and story delivery for me, I gave it also one point five out of two possible points. Um, I know Tori talked a lot about the delivery of the story, and I'm going to go in a little bit to the plot. So it kind of works well. We complement each other pretty well. Um, so the plot of this show is, is pretty familiar. If you've, most people that are coming to see the Lion King in, you know, Western audiences, most of them have seen the Lion King film. Um, so the animated movie is familiar to them. They know what the story is. They know how the story begins. They know how the story ends. And technically, if you really want to get in the weeds, the Lion King is very derivative of the Shakespeare play Hamlet. So here you have two stories that are very familiar to your audience and you have this huge risk that you're going to deliver this story and it's going to be stale, stagnant, and boring. And most plays are adaptive from a source material so that in the nature of theater itself, you have this big risk that your audience is going to be bored through the whole thing. And there's not one moment that I would say that you're bored. The show may be, you know, may lag, you know, you might not be as engaged one number that, um, you know, the, the number Endless Night that Simba sings, he's literally on a stage completely by himself. There is no set, there is no prop, it is just the actor on the stage singing this number. Sure, if, if you're watching this, you compared to the grand opening of the Circle of Life, that might be not as engaging to you. But I don't think that's a moment where you're necessarily bored in the show. And it's delivering an aspect of the story that you haven't seen before. So in the animated film, and likewise, I don't want to continue to compare this show to the animated film. The medium is very, very different. But that internal monologue that Simba has during the number, Endless Night, you don't get that in the animated feature. You don't really know a whole lot about what Simba's thinking, except for, you know, very, very brief seconds long dialogue of him. Um, so I think that there are a lot of unique aspects. A lot of the musical numbers that were added to this show were, were done to further flesh out these characters and round out these characters and make the plot more engaging overall. Um, another one that I've kind of pointed is the, the number Shadowland. The um, Nala sings and the lionesses kind of all sing together. I think that initially I was not, I didn't think when that number started that I would enjoy it at all. I was like, oh, great. It's your female, typical female lead song. But I found myself as I'm like listening to this song and watching the actor, actresses' performances on this number, finding myself getting 
strangely emotional while they're playing that number because here you're hearing the stakes being raised and this character's devotion to her pride and to her people and making a difficult decision in a world that's falling apart in front of her. And so watching that, you know, that gives the character of Nala a depth that is not familiar to the audience. So there's moments like that um, where in, in songs that may be perceived as kind of lagging or boring or not as engaging because it's not as much of a spectacle, I think it develops that um, story as a whole much deeper. Um, I think the, the musical numbers, which we include um, musical numbers as part of the plot and story delivery because the songs are develop are telling the story. We, um, in this, in theater, because you're getting a live performance every time, we don't dig into the musical ability of the individual actors because that will vary depending on what performance you're seeing. Um, but the musical numbers in this show feel so timeless. This movie was made, or movie, <laughs> this show was was opened in 1997 and these songs don't feel like songs from the 90s. They feel like these timeless songs that really fit within the world of The Lion King, you know, because, and I think a lot of that, like you mentioned, comes to the fact that they have such a strong influence of African music and African culture. And so I think that that is super props to Lebo M who did a lot of the creative direction in regards to the music of this show. Um, the, I think that Can You Feel the Love Tonight in this show is better than the film. I don't particularly like that song. I mean, it's not a bad song. It's pretty iconic. But I think that this show's version is so, is better than the film's version. Um, I think that the Circle of Life is better than the film version. I think that... Oh, I, yeah, especially with all the spectacle you get. Mm -hmm. I think I Just Can't Wait to Be King is better than the film version. So even the, the songs that are familiar and the parts of the story that are familiar are better they have been improved upon. It doesn't feel stale and stagnant. I, I did, as far as the plot, the overall plot goes, the, and the reason that I did one and a half points out of five is that except for Timon and Pumbaa, you forget that this is a Disney movie. You can watch this show as its own independent work and you forget that Disney had anything to do with it, that this was a child's cartoon Disney movie, you know, if you want to look at it that way. Um, but I, I do think that in this breathtaking production, I think that there is a bit that having Timon and Pumbaa portrayed the way they are and having them as the characters that they are, you know, you can argue one way or another that they're necessary to the, to the show. I think they are, but I think aesthetically and including them in the show, it kind of pulls you out of this immersive world. I think, you know, they look like the cartoon characters, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I do think it kind of pulls you out of this story that you're watching. You know, you're watching these very human actors who you understand, you know, you've suspended your disbelief and you're seeing that they're lions, you know, and now you have these very 
cartoonish appearing characters of Timon and Pumbaa. I feel the same way about the hyenas. I think that I was about to say, you can't argue that with the hyenas too, but I do think, um, and I'm going to kind of cover this a little bit in, you know, our next category, but I do think the hyenas blend better with their world than Timon and Pumbaa do. And so it's not a knock against Timon and Pumbaa. I just think in delivering the story that they don't fit the world as well. So that's why I gave it, you know, one and a half out of two points. Okay. So moving on to the next category, we've got characters for a total of three points. I only gave it two. Mm. Um, I have a few gripes that I'll get to, um, <clears throat> but I'll, I'll start with some positives. So I love this iteration of Zazu. I think the, um, a lot of this is going to come down to portrayal of, of the character on stage as well. I think Zazu is a character that's obviously small. He's a small bird, but I think that they do a really great job that the actor that plays him in the clips that I watched, I'm not sure if I saw like original cast clips to, you know, disclaim, but um, I, the actor that I watched, he does such a great job of giving Zazu the space that he deserves despite his small, like, of being a small bird. Um, and it makes Zazu's stage presence, I think, really effective and on par with every other character that's on the stage. So I think that's to be admired, um, both in, from the actors, uh, the actors, um, portrayal and just the delivery and writing of that character. Um, but I think there are lots of characters in this show that are kind of flat. I think the most interesting characters in the whole show are Mufasa and Scar. And I think Simba and Nala are not quite flat but they're also not quite interesting in my in my view. And rewatching these clips, I realize the older I get, the more I think Timon and Pumbaa are less likable than they were as a child. And I think part of that is because Timon and Pumbaa, their primary function in the story is comic relief. But and I think that's important. I think, you know, all heavy things should still have moments of levity. But the way that Timon and Pumbaa bring com comic relief almost feels insensitive at times. And as a child, I never realized these things. But as an adult, analyzing this critically, they're kind of jerks sometimes. I don't think they mean to be, but in the context of the grief that Simba's trying to process, they basically tell him, we're not going to allow you a moment to do that. You just need to, like, brush it off. And I think for the purpose of moving the story along, it works. But realistically, and I get it, this is not realistic. <laughs> These are talking animals in the African Sahara, but... Savannah. Savannah, sorry, not Sahara. Savannah, the African Savannah. But because of that, as an adult, I look at this and I'm like, that's so unhealthy. And 
they really don't serve much purpose outside of those things. So they feel very flat looking at them now, as opposed to when I was a kid, when I thought they were just so funny and, you know, I love Timon and Pumbaa and all these things. And I don't want to knock the characters too much because they serve the purpose that they were designed to serve. But I don't like it the way I used to as a child. Um, so that's just a note. Of, and maybe that's more personal of a note than analytical. But I, I hope that you accept my <laughs> point because um, I think it, it affects the complexity and it, it makes the more interesting characters feel even more interesting by comparison because they're just so flat, um, Timon and Pumbaa are. Now, I think the choice to make Rafiki female is a very cool, neat choice. It's not something that I mind at all um, because these are different mediums and it doesn't change the story at all to make Rafiki female. It really doesn't. Plus, I think doing so kind of gives you this really cool um, perspective of your narrator being female. I think a lot of times your narrator is male, especially in a show that most of your main characters are male. So I think giving the opportunity of this outside narrator to be female is just kind of a neat creative choice, and I really like that. Um, and the narration that we get from Rafiki is very, very uh, culturally significant. And we don't get that in the film um, in the same way. Obviously, there is cultural significance in the film. I don't want to, you know, knock that. But um, there's a lot of, I mean, I'm not sure which African language that the actor typically speaks. But it's obvious that she's speaking in a native African tongue for a lot of those moments. And so I think it's, it kind of goes back to like the immersion. Uh I think it's typically Zulu, which is native to South Africa. And if I'm not mistaken, um, please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but Lebo M, who wrote a lot of the music and did a lot of the vocal uh, conducting, if you will, of this show, he is South African. So I okay. believe that the, um, the character of Rafiki is typically a South African actress who speaks native to that the Zulu language because that language seems to be used in the show. Now they may change that based on, you know, which touring group and then location, but that's my understanding of it. Again, if I'm if I'm incorrect and you're listening and you want to set me straight, please by all means engage with us on social media that, you know, we love that. We love hearing, you know, our viewers uh, talk to us about this kind of stuff. So, um, but that's my understanding of, of the, the language used and, and that the nationality of the actress. Oh, okay, cool. And that's also a really cool casting choice then is to make sure that you're getting authentic actors that can pull off something like that. Because I think, um, it's not something that you see in Western media hardly ever. And so I think you want to try to make it as authentic as possible for the best impact for your audience. So I think they do that really well. Um, my last note for characters is everybody in this show is singing in a corset. I don't know how they're doing that, but big props because how do you take a deep breath? Nala looking at you. <laughs> 
how do you hit those high notes and hold those sustained, long, drawn-out notes when you're in a corset? Uh, it's very true. It's very true. <laughs> so pro- big props to them. I'm sure that was very difficult, and they had have incredible breath control in order to do something like that. But yeah, that's two out of three points for characters for me. All right. Well, I gave this two and a half points out of three for characters. And I do, I do think that a significant part of my score for this um, is partly to the character design and then the character arc that they have in the show. I think that Simba has a much more genuine arc in this version of this story. I think that having the ability to give him this internal monologue, you watch him as a young adult. I am I was surprised in watching this show how carefree he was at the beginning of act two, you know, when he's a young adult and he's, you know, Hakuna matata it up and everything's great, the whole world is great. You know, but then you watch him have this internal monologue of, you know, my dad just was supposed to be there for me forever and he, he wasn't, you know. And then also wrestling with the fact that, you know, of grief and guilt. And then when you see him come, you watch him come through that in this story and come out the other side. And when he's taking, when he's walking up Pride Rock at the end, there's, I feel like there's so much more significance with that. You've, you're watching this young man come into this role as king as to who he was meant to be versus just watching him take down his evil Uncle Scar. So I think that that resonates better with him as a character. I think they do a good job of giving him those moments where you get to watch him grow as a character. I think that the character design for your main lion characters are great. I think I like that they didn't put these lions in big, you know, elaborate costumes that block the view of their face and their, but then they still move physically. Their physicality is very intentional. I think that design choice for them was great. I, I, I also really like that they made Rafiki a female lead. You know, she really is like the female lead of the show if you Mm want to be specific. I think her having a female voice sing Circle of Life is great. Yeah. It's completely unexpected if all you've known is the film version or listen to the film soundtrack. And so now you hear a woman sing it and there's so much, there's a, it really was a gamble because there's a chance of her voice not having enough power to drive that song and absolutely she can go toe-to-toe with any male singer in the whole show. So I think that Rafiki... And her design is great. She looks like a, you know, a monkey, but she also looks like a, you know, like a shaman Mm -hmm. woman character. And it's the silhouette of her character is a little goofy. So you, you don't... You aren't surprised when she's a little wacky and zany, but then she still has this strength in her stage presence that's just really well done. Yeah. I think Nala has much better character development as well. I think that she and the lionesses as a whole, they do a great job of giving them a reason to be there. So I think that's done very well in this show. 
I think Scar is a better villain. I think the hyenas are better villains compared to the film. I Again, I hate constantly comparing it to the film, but I just think that this show does such a good improvement on the original material. I think Scar is so much more evil. I think Mufasa is a stronger father figure to Simba. He's a stronger king figure to his pride. Um, I do think that the design of Zazu and the design of the hyenas, even though they are modeled after the animated characters, I think they fit the world better. And I think the reason that they fit the world better is because those characters are to scale with the human actors. Mm, good point. Whereas Timon and Pumbaa, I, I'm not trying to knock on Timon and Pumbaa, but they are not to scale with the other actors. The actor that plays Zazu he still is acting and emoting as a human, the human man that is portraying Zazu, but the eye goes to the puppet that he is using, which is the size that fits Zazu. So when you have Zazu talking to Mufasa, it's a small bird talking to a big lion. When you have the hyenas talking to Scar, the way the costumes are designed, they're you know, essentially on all fours and they're smaller, they're physically smaller than Scar. So you have a, a smaller hyena talking to a big lion. And then you get to Timon and Pumbaa and you have a gigantic warthog who is bigger than Simba. Mm-hmm. And then you have Timon who's roughly to size of the... Child he, Simba, he's like the same height. Right. And he's roughly smaller than an adult Simba, but Timon is supposed to be... A meerkat? A meerkat. He's to be as small as Zazu. And I understand, you know, all my theater friends are going to come at us in the comments here (laughs) because, you know, well, it's for stage and you have to be able to see things from the back of the stage. And, you know, I get that. I really do. And I think I'm not just... The actor's ability to... You know, uh, the actors that play Timon and Pumbaa do a great job. They, you know, they they perform those roles very well. The puppetry for Timon is extremely complex when you compare it to other work in other shows. I'm not knocking that at all. But I just think that those characters, in addition to, I think you make valid points that those characters, the characters themselves don't seem to be a good fit in the story, but I think the character design as well is not a good fit for the story. And so that's why I I take off half a point, but I will say, and in saying all of this, I think the characters of Timon and Pumbaa, the fact that they serve as comic relief, the hyenas technically do as well, and Zazu even does as well, but I I think you do need comic relief, especially with Simba, because otherwise this show would be so heavy, it would almost be difficult to watch. And I, I agree that you need comic relief. And I think that Timon and Pumbaa can be good characters and necessary characters to the story. I just think that in keeping them straight out of an animated character drawing and putting them straight onto the stage is not the best choice. And I think that doesn't fit well in the characters, like you said, with them being, you know, making these jokes and being comic relief. I think that aspect of it doesn't fit well. And then also the, um, the design of them doesn't fit well. So, but otherwise I think these characters are, are very good, um, and very well, uh, developed and designed. So two and a half points out of three for me. Okay. 
So moving on to aesthetics, I gave it two out of two points because this show is stunning. The puppetry is what made me cry immediately when the show started. The song started, I saw movement out of my peripherals, I looked to my right and my left, and coming from the back of the audience, through the crowd, to the stage, were these beautiful, huge puppets of giraffes and and rhinos and... Not rhinos. There were rhinos. Rhinos, yeah, there were rhinos. Elephants. Elephant, antelope, etc., etc. And I was like... Wow. Like, I I couldn't say anything. I was just overwhelmed emotionally. I was like, this is the best night of my life. It was just so incredibly, astonishingly wonderful. This translates to every iteration of puppetry on the show, such as costumes, things like Zazu. And yes, I agree that Timon and Pumbaa look too cartoony, but it's still impressive. It the is. Puppetry. It absolutely is. Um, the hyenas and how those puppetries work. Even Scar and Mufasa and eventually adult Simba, their headdresses sit above their head when they're standing. But then when they lean forward as in to go into like all four stance, that head moves down in front of the actor's face, which I think is just absolutely incredible. I love it. I don't know how they made that headdress and or and how it doesn't flop like while they stand upright and talk and move around. I don't know how that how that is. I don't know if it's remote controlled or what, but it's just absolutely incredible how those headdresses move. Um the sets beautiful they do a lot of the transition sets with like the grass and they'll kind of put like almost like a i want to say like a scrim down so it's like you can still see through it Mm -hmm. to this to the set they use a lot of shadow work on on the stage which is really beautiful um to show a lot of movement that sort of thing um they also use the space so well. Um, they don't stay confined to the stage. Just using the beginning as an example, you know, they're using audience space as well. So there's a lot of like um, implementation of of like sort of audience reaction included in the space that's used. And so I think it kind of keeps your audience engaged when you're right next to them. You know, that helps the guy who's in row 80 feel like he's still getting a little bit of attention from your company when they come out into the audience like that. And he didn't have to pay thousands of dollars for a front row seat to get that. And I think that that's just such an, a great creative use and audience appreciation um, that I think more shows should implement. You know, I want my actors all up in my business. You know, I think it just kind of helps uh, me leave with like a sense of, of feeling like I really got a great show. And just everything about this show, lighting, um, props, um, all of those things, everything is used so perfectly. There is not one element that is flippant like doesn't need to be there. Everything just adds to the immersion. Everything works together. Everything matches each other aesthetically um, as far as like sets go. Um, I just think, I don't really want to like 
um, hammer my point too much, but my last point is in the reprise of He Lives in You, and there's all those spinning wood pieces, and they look like nothing at first, and you're just like, oh, okay, this is just like a cool part of the choreography, but then as the company slowly comes together in the back of the stage, it forms the head of Mufasa, goosebumps. I got goosebumps. Absolutely. I was yeah. like, how... I could have never thought of something like that yeah. on my most creative day. And yet here it is. And it was just, oh, it like heightens the emotions. It's like you don't think, you think, oh, the emotional parts of a show are going to be your characters and your story and your music. You don't think that like your physical set pieces could cause an emotional reaction. And yet they somehow did in this show. Yeah. And I think that that is just a huge um, compliment to the stage, the set designers and like stage managers for this show to make everything so seamless like that. So absolutely two out of two points for aesthetics. Yeah. I, uh, completely a hundred percent agree. I also gave two out of two for aesthetics. I think that's why this show, I think that's one of the reasons this show is still running on Broadway. Um, I, you took a lot of my points, unfortunately. Sorry. But no, no, no. But You did that in the last episode. I did, so. I did. But they're all completely valid. I completely agree. Um, the, I mean, the opening number, the Circle of Life, you could just spend, you know, an hour just discussing that number alone. Um, but yeah, same thing. I got complete goosebumps. The fact that they, you know, the fact that you see the sunrise in that, sh- in that opening curtain, and it looks like it does, it, I mean, it looks almost unreal in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that they have these um, screen, almost screen-like set pieces where it's a sun, but it's actually strips of fabric so that the lighting catches it a certain way and the, you know, the red and the yellow are great high contrast. Um, the use of shadow work, the use of puppetry in the show is incredible. Um, the costumes of the different animals, the fact that they have an elephant to scale because they have an individual in each leg of the adult elephant. And then they pull you completely overboard with cuteness and there's a baby elephant too I know to scale it's like who even thought of doing this and are they trying to make me cry and the show's barely even started just the amount of thought that went into each of these costumes and then in addition to that you have these big you know these huge men on stilts playing the giraffes you have these this you know woman holding a cheetah and it's has it has wires connecting her face to its so that it when she turns her head it turns its head you know she's able the the control that they give these actors over their own puppets i feel like is so respectful to those actors because they're able to emote so much more fully in a puppet um i think that even the the um you know the antelope these people are holding in their arms to give them, to make them leap the way that an antelope would leap. Um, It's just, it's so thoughtful and so creative. Everything was thought through well, not to just give you the kind of scale and grandeur and spectacle of these animals, but also to give the actors an ability to still act, even though they're playing and holding, you know, quote unquote props. Those Mm -hmm. props are actually characters and they do a great job of that. 
um, the costumes of the individual actors that are the main the main cast, I think are done really well. You kind of touched on the, the headpieces for the lions, but then also how um, Mufasa has as a you know, standing there as a man has, you know, weapons that he puts down for, to give himself this silhouette of four legs. The way that the hyenas, their, um, the head puppetry piece of the hyena goes over their head to give them that kind of humpback silhouette that a hyena would have that ridged back of the silhouette, you know, actually sits along their neck and, and, uh, upper back, you know, gives them this great silhouette, just the use of silhouette overall. And then you have these, the, you know, Simba and Nala who walk upright, but then the choreography is so intentional. Their movements are very cat-like and feline. The dance numbers with, um, you know, larger company members, you know, the lionesses do, the grasslands chant, all of that choreography is extremely intentional. I think the grasslands chant is one of my favorite numbers because you show this transition from puppets of Mufasa and Simba in the grass and then the transition mm-hmm. to the live actors playing those characters. It's, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. so seamless. Yeah. Um, and it's done really, really well. Um, I mean, I, we could just go forever, but also I one thing I do want to touch on on the aesthetics is the kind of iconic will to be seen when Mufasa dies. The way that the creators of this musical came up with a way to have a wildebeest stampede on stage that still gives you the feeling of tension that these actors could almost die. Like, you really, you can suspend your disbelief and you can feel the peril of Mufasa in that moment. Mufasa and Simba in that moment. I think the, I didn't mention this, but I also think the fly work in that scene is absolutely impeccable. Yeah. Yeah. So almost every box that you would want to tick in your ideal production of any show, this show ticks that. I mean, costume, choreography, set design, fly work, um, musical numbers, it's just all absolutely phenomenal. I, I think we could talk almost too long about it. Right. So... There and there are probably a hundred other things that I could I could bring up if I had the time. So I'll kind of end it there. If you haven't seen the show, <laughs> go see it because it's just that that is, you can't understand how well done the aesthetics are in the show without seeing it for yourself. Yeah. So two out of two for me as well. Yeah, the aesthetics of this show is really it's like where it shines the the brightest. I think so. I agree. Okay, so moving on to personal taste and preference. I have said a lot of positive things, but I actually only gave this one out of two points. Let me explain why. Everything about the stage version, everything that they added for the stage, I love. But everything else that's a pullover feels too familiar and I get a little bit bored. Because The Lion King is not one of my favorite Disney films. I actually think there are many... Disney films. I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. I think there are many Disney films better. So I think it's it really comes down to the original source material and my personal preference about that. And because this is an adaptation for that, the things that they changed and added are what I like. 
everything that stays the same is what I don't. I think that's fair. And so because of that, I could only give it one out of two points. I think I like it. I love the show for what it does. But also, if I want to look at theater as a whole, there are other shows I like more. I think that's fair. So um, that being said... I don't want that to make us, I don't want to throw a filter on everything I've already said to be like, oh, she doesn't actually love it that much anyway. Because I do, I do. And I think um, it has a, a lot of really wonderful things. But personally, there are other things I like more in its, in its wheelhouse, in that genre. There are things that I like more. Sure. So I think that's fair. Um, my personal taste and preference score is a uh, full two out of two points. Um, I think that this show, this production, in, in theater overall, you have to have suspension of disbelief. Theater is the one medium that has stayed true to requiring the audience to have suspension of disbelief. You have to believe that what I'm telling you is what you're looking at. And this show makes it so easy to have suspension of disbelief. Visually, you are in that world. You're completely immersed in that world. Um, even even audibly, the 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 vocals of the cast, the the song quality, the choreography, it all is so immersive. I do also have um, a little bit of a bias, I guess, if you would call that, but it's personal taste, so that's, that's the time for this. Um, when I was in elementary school, my family and I didn't have a lot of uh, finances, so our free time was often spent at our local library. Um, and I would go to the reference section of the library and I would pick up these books and they were Disney books. And it, one was the behind the scenes book of the Lion King on Broadway. And mm -hmm. I was not allowed to check it out because it was part of the reference section. So I would sit in the library and I would read it cover, cover to cover for literally however many hours we were going to be at the library that day. And just reading through this book as an elementary school child, I was just floored at the making of this Broadway. And so it was kind of a lifelong goal that I want to see The Lion King on Broadway because I know how they did the costumes and I know how they designed the set and it just looks so cool and it was amazing to me. And so I have always had this desire to see the show and when Tori and I were able to see it together, they came to, you know, our local areas, the touring production. Yeah, but I was just concerned that all of this expectation that I had set up in my head that this show is going to be amazing, I was afraid that I was going to be disappointed. And I was absolutely not disappointed. We went and saw the show and that night I came home and bought tickets for both of my parents to go see this show. Because I just believed that firmly that this show is such a unique show it's a complete experience that you just can't understand if you haven't seen it for yourself i wanted them to experience it and um i think that it, whether you like musicals or not my mom is not a huge fan of, of musicals or theater per se but um this show if you're only going to see one broadway show in your lifetime i personally think that this show if you're not going to see, if you're not a fan of musicals or you don't know if you'd like a musical, I think this show is a great show to see. Interesting. If you're going to see one show in your life. I think it's not overly pretentious. It's not a, you know, uh, it's not so iconic that it's 
you know, it's not dated, it's not over overplayed. Um, I, I think that it's a great kind of middle ground for people that are not necessarily the theater buffs can watch it and enjoy it. And then people that really don't like the medium of theater at all or don't have an inclination towards it would enjoy it as well. But that's just my personal opinion. If you haven't seen it, please go see it if you ever have the chance. Um, but yeah, I just, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was, I was very surprised at the quality of this production. So, um, two out of two for me. All right. And then the last category is creativity, which is, um, out of one point, I gave it a full point. I think that the way that this production makes very simple things feel so big and grand, I think is to be admired. Puppetry is not new. Puppetry has been around for a very long time, but I have never seen it on this scale and I doubt I ever will again. Um, so I think because of that, just the use of sets and puppetry in this show, like I said, aesthetics is where it shines and I think it shines so brightly that I have to give it a full creative point. Even if, you know, I were to disregard all plot and character performance, which are all good and strong in their own right, um, I think I would still give it a full point for creativity just for the aesthetics because it really does make the show a spectacle that is memorable. And I think that's one thing that you want from theater is you want people to go home and two weeks later they still remember how clearly they enjoyed your show. And since theater is such a visual art, um, I think it's very important that they you capture the visions of your um, audience and they do this and they do this without fail. And so that's why I gave it one full point for creativity. Awesome. Yeah, I also gave it a full point for creativity. I think that this show is a perfect example of high risk, high reward. Um, when the show was first conceived, it sounded like the biggest joke ever. It's like, how are we going to do a stage play about lions? Are they going to be wearing mascot suits? Like, how are we going to accomplish this? And the risk of taking a show about animals and bringing that into the Broadway theater world, which is not, a, it's not anything to joke about. Like Broadway theater is a very serious business. It's a very expensive business. The people that have worked their whole lives to be in this industry have, have sacrificed so much. I mean, it, it's a very serious industry to, to break into just as much as film or music or any other media. Um, so the fact that this show is still on Broadway after, you know, from 25 years, 25 years on Broadway, it'll be 25 years this November. Yeah. At the time of our recording this. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that it's still on Broadway is, I think, commendable because yeah, absolutely. It's, the story still resonates with audiences. I think that, you know, you could argue, well, you know, it's just a rehash of a movie that already existed. And sure, that's true. But I mean, Les Mis is already a book. It's a rehash of a book. And nobody would say, nobody that was a fan of theater would say Les Mis is just a repeat. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it is its own original production. Right. So I think, you know, the costumes, the sets, the choreography, it's all very unique and distinct. And I think it's also a statement that a Disney story, which the reason that Disney animated movies are so popular, not just because kids enjoyed them, but because the stories, especially in the Disney Renaissance era, which is when The Lion King mm -hmm. was 
released, the stories are pretty strong stories that resonate with people. So it kind of brought to the table that a Disney story has enough backbone to make it in the Broadway medium. Yeah, that's a good point. So I think that, you know, Beauty and the Beast, I believe, came out prior to The Lion King on Broadway. Um, But the majority of the Disney Broadway shows that have come out since The Lion King have not matched that. They have not reached that bar that The Lion King set. Right. So because it sets such a precedence and because it is so aesthetically unique, like you said, I think it deserves full, full points for creativity. Awesome. So that makes my overall score 7.5 out of 10. And that makes my overall score 9 out of 10. Wow. So this is That's a, your highest it, score. It is. And, and I know that my personal preference, um, you know, and this, this show being kind of, you know, special to me does have some emphasis on that. But I, I do hope that in listening to this, you've um, heard enough objectivity that it, it merits that score from me. All right, so let's move into some lightning round questions. Mm-hmm. All right, question number one, favorite non-Disney movie musical number. So, he lives in you. Okay. Yeah. It's so, beautiful and wonderful and it makes me emotional and I like it. And it's not in uh, the original Lion King. It does make an appearance in the Lion King too as kind of a, uh, but none of the main characters sing it. Um, but yeah, that would be mine as well. The reprise for He Lives in You would be my my number one pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, question two, best rendition of one of the Disney movie songs. So the songs that were in the original Lion King Disney movie that are also in the Broadway show. Favorite of those. Or uh, what you think is the best rendition slash favorite. Circle of Life, hands down. It just, wow. Everything about that number in the show is just absolutely incredible. I, I agree. I think that is the best rendition. However, to have some variety in our answers here, (laughs) I think that uh, I Just Can't Wait to Be King is a great rendition. And I think it's extremely unique. And I think it's a great take on a number that in the animated film is, would seem almost impossible to do on stage. I'm sure the, the people that made The Lion King would find a way to do it. But... I think it's a good it's a good rendition. I think if I had to choose a like a second pick, I would choose Be Prepared. That's um, a good, I think they just use the stage one. so well in in that number yeah. with all of the hyenas down below and then scars up on his little rock and they have the choreography with the puppetry. It's really impressive. So. Yeah, that is a good one. All right, favorite costume design for a main character. This one's actually kind of hard for me. I'm torn between two, but I think I would go with Scar. He has a great. He has a great design. costume design. It, it goes back to the point I said earlier about the headdress and the movement of that. I just think is really impressive. Yeah, yeah. I think I would probably say Scar as well. I also think that the hyenas. Um, I think I would actually say the hyenas because even though I don't particularly like the fact that they look a little more cartoony, I do think that the silhouette of the hyena looks really, really cool. And I really like the way that the actors can move from two legs. So their hands go in Mm -hmm. both legs of the costume. 
And then when the animal needs to talk, they can link those legs together, hold that with one hand, and then move the mouth of the hyena. I just think that's really innovative in giving a four-legged animal, giving your actor who's playing a four-legged animal the ability to control four legs and a mouth at the same time. Yeah, true. Um, question four. Favorite costume design for a non-main character? So, any so does that the, mean like any of the company or anything yes. like that? Yes, so any of the company, any of the animals in the opening number, um, just not a main not a main character, main cast. Yeah, I think it's going to be that cheetah woman. Yeah. And just, like you said, you, you talked about that in length, but like just the way that they have like the... Um, the puppetry of the the cheetah attached to her and like it goes all the way up to her head so even every head turn is distinct and i think that's really impressive yeah and i think i spent the when we watched the show i don't i didn't remember how that was done and i spent the entire show watching that character trying to figure out how they did it and i oh. couldn't figure it out i had to come home and look it up oh um i think mine would be the giraffes those are very cool, too. The, I think the silhouette is just beautiful. And the fact that they achieve that height while having the actors form that, that sloped back silhouette and then the neck of the giraffe. I just think it's, I just think it's gorgeous. Um, all right. Least favorite costume design? Timon. Yeah? Yeah. It's just he's too big. And I like the way that his costume is implemented into the actor. But... It's just not effective, I think, for the delivery of the character. Yeah. I think mine would probably be Pumbaa. And I think the biggest reason for that is because the actor is essentially completely hidden by the costume. There is no... Sure, his head does stick up above the the costume. So the frame of Pumbaa, he does kind of... You can see his face, but you don't watch him. You, you're not watching him perform as an actor at all because... All you're watching is the puppet of Pumbaa's head and mouth move. So that would probably be my least favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, I almost, I feel like I should say, but going back to favorite costume design of the main character, I also don't want to say Rafiki. Her costume is yeah. so good. That's but true. anyways, um, most impressive set. This is very hard, but I think the wildebeest stampede is probably the most impressive setup. Yeah. So visually, I don't think it's the most impressive, but I think logistically it's the most it impressive. It is, definitely. I think if this would count as a set, this might be a technicality, so I'll let you make the call. But in the song, The Grasslands Chant, how it's, I mean, it's technically a set, I guess, but the way that they use the actors as the grass. Yes, I oh, is, I think that's absolutely a set. Yeah, that's yeah. probably my... I, th- I just think it's so impressive. Um, I would I do think the wildebeest as well, just for the scale, is yeah. great. But um, I think the grasslands in that number, just on creativity, would probably be the most impressive set for me. All right, number seven. Which of the three hyenas is your favorite? Um, they're all very annoying, but Ed. <laughs> I feel like Ed would be considered the most annoying. Yeah, I know, but I think he's just so iconic. I have to pick it. All right, that's fair. He also doesn't talk a lot, so he that's probably why in that way. I think um, Shenzi would be my favorite. Okay, I think she's she's kind of the leader of the three. I think yeah, she's pretty hilarious. All right, which Disney movie would you like to see on Broadway with the similar rendition? Meaning, it's not a copy paste of a Disney 
movie, it has its own kind of flair. Adaptation. Or like maybe it has its own cultural flair. So it meets the culture of where it's set, things like that. I think I would love to see a rendition of Moana. Oh, that is a great answer. Moana on Broadway would be super cool. Can you imagine, like, seeing Tafiti and Taka and, like, all those huge, like, massive characters? I'd love to see how they could implement those. That would be cool. That is a really good answer. Did I... I I don't know if I can tell any answer better than that. I, you know, I gotta say, I would really like it this was already a broadway show a disney broadway show and it did not have the success that i think it should have um but so maybe i shouldn't say it if it's already been a show i think it wasn't done well you can mention it but it shouldn't be your okay it it was tarzan i think tarzan could have been a great show and it just wasn't done well so okay if i can't say that i think i would say treasure planet Ooh, that would be so cool. Yeah. I didn't even think about I think Planet. that be could cool. be a really cool show. That would be so cool. And it would kind of have, you know, kind of be a good theater show because it's essentially Treasure Island. But yeah. I think that the the aesthetics could be really that, cool yeah, in that show. Yeah, it would be super neat. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. All right, let's close it out. All right. So thank you guys for joining us for this episode. We look forward to having you back for the next episode. Don't forget you can follow us on our social media. We have Twitter at Lion and Mouse Pod and Instagram at Lion and Mouse Podcast. Our website is lionandmousepodcast.com. You can find our rules of engagement there and notes from each episode. We also have a suggestion box there so you can tell us what you'd like us to review. So until next time, be brave and stay clever.